Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. Chris Graham here. We want to talk some UVA sports, basketball and football. And, uh, you know, apologies a little bit for um, uh, the inconsistency of the uh, the podcast uh, and the videos. Um, I just I'm still working on this. We get thousands of clicks on our website. We get hundreds of listens on the podcast and videos. So um, it's a matter of putting the time and resources to where it's best used. But we're still trying to build this up here. So uh, any case, uh, Virginia tomorrow night, nine o'clock tip with NC State. Virginia eighth in the AP poll, ninth in the coaches poll. NC State 22nd in both polls. It'll be a game. NC State, I haven't done the uh, game re uh, recap. I haven't done a re- recap because games haven't happened yet. I haven't done a preview yet because uh, I'll take some time. I'll get, I'll get on that this evening. But uh, NC State uh has has uh always given at least under kevin keith has given virginia fits last few years with the style of play and this is going to be the best nc state team virginia has seen in quite a while um style of play of kevin keats he's got he's got guys who can dribble drive and get to the basket and score on their own and uh that is the that's the kryptonite to the uva pack line defense which uh, uh relies on teams trying to run actions uh with uh you know the pick and roll and and and, and motion offenses, and that's what the pack line is designed to stop. So uh, NC State uh, doesn't play the way most teams play. Um, they rely on their athletes and athleticism to get their shots, and um, that's that's why Virginia gets fits from NC State. So I, I'll, be, I'll be surprised when I look at this NC State team that they won't show that they can do that to Virginia. Virginia will be a slight favorite in this game, five or six points. But uh, that was suggested NC State at home would probably be a slight favorite down there in Raleigh. Uh, that, that shows how close these two teams are likely are. Uh, I mentioned Virginia eighth in the AP, uh, ninth in the coaches, down five in the coaches, down two in the AP this week. Probably about right. Uh, in fact, maybe Virginia a little high just when you look at the metrics um, and the analytics numbers. Uh, but then, you know, you look at things like Kansas lost on Saturday, held pretty much. Uh, they held, held in the uh, coaches poll, dropped one in the AP poll. Kansas lost four of its last six. There's really no dominant team this year. Purdue's probably the closest thing to a dominant team, but they lost on Saturday. But because no one else is near their level, they still stay at number one. Uh, Tennessee uh, had a had a rough week, lost at Florida, narrowly won in a 46-43 final over Auburn, who was in the top 25 but then fell out. Uh, Tennessee dropped three spots in the coaches, four spots in the eight people. Virginia is one of four teams in the ACC. Uh, ranked this week, and Virginia is uh, has been now for I've got it for eleven straight weeks that Virginia has been the top ranked team among ACC uh, members. Uh, Miami is nineteenth in the AP, twentieth in the coaches this week. I mentioned NC State's twenty second in both polls, and Clemson and Duke are tied for twenty fourth in the coaches poll. Neither is in the AP poll, uh, so that's where things stand as far as um, uh, the polls this week. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I was thinking about this, the uh, nine o'clock tip tomorrow night, uh, late night for me, late night for you as well. If you're going to keep up with this game, there's, I know people personally who, uh, even who aren't going to go to the game, but a nine o'clock tip means an 11 o'clock end and they've got early mornings, uh, during the week work week. And so, uh, you know, games that start at nine o'clock, even, even if it's their favorite team, Virginia, they, they don't get to watch those games. They'll, they'll tape it and try to avoid social media the next day. And, try to watch it when they get home, which is really hard to do, or they'll just decide, hey, I'll just look at the score and when I wake up in the morning and read Chris Graham's <laughs> recap and notebook and everything else. Uh, but that's not good uh, for those fans. And then those who 
uh, are going to try to go to the game. I live 25 minutes away. Literally, I get on the interstate in Waynesboro, uh, and, and I, I leave my house. I'm 25 minutes from JPJ, even accounting for the traffic around JPJ. Um, I'll get home around midnight tomorrow night because post game is, you know, a little, little harder getting out. So I tend to write my recap and then and then leave around 1130. I'll get home around midnight tomorrow night. Um, those who don't live close by, you live in Roanoke or Richmond or Fredericksburg, Northern Virginia, Winchester area. If you come to the game, you're getting home one o'clock, right? 1231 o'clock. Um, that just doesn't work with people's work weeks. If unless you're retired, unless you have your own business and you can you know, go in late Wednesday morning, uh, those late starts don't do very well for fans. And that's not, not just in Virginia; that's everywhere. Um, but this long since passed the point that uh, college sports uh, is a ticket-driven revenue business. It's a business that relies on the TV money. In fact, you people, <laughs> my wife's one of them, has season tickets at UVA. It has for years. Uh, Y'all folks who uh, buy the tickets are paying for the privilege of being part of the background. EVA needs the money. The other schools need the money, but they, they're not accommodating your schedule as far as that goes. That's, that's <laughs> the reality of it is you're paying to be part of the background. You're paying to make it look good on TV, basically, is what I mean to say there. Um, let's see. Uh, so I haven't done the, the preview yet of NC State, though I've kind of given you a basic preview. Uh, let's look back at Saturday. Virginia struggled uh, in the loss 74-68 at Virginia Tech. Now, I'm going to say, you know, uh, the Virginia fans I know are, are <laughs> have basically given up on the team after one loss, after a seven-game winning streak, which is kind of funny. But um, this was a game that Virginia Tech desperately needed to win and did, held serve on their home court. Uh, Tech only had th this game and th the game at Duke in a couple of weeks as their last two chances to get quad one wins a Tech team that started the season and was ranked in the top 25 at the end of non-conference play and then was 2-8 and eight in a 10-game stretch going into Saturday in the ACC. Um, a team, though, that is better than that record reflects, and they, they showed it on Saturday. But it was a 74-68 final, and Virginia was just a couple of plays away, a couple of missed dunks, the one early in the game that was taken away from Isaac McNeely, a missed dunk then by Armand Franklin on a, on a breakaway. A uh, couple of missed free throws, uh, you know, here and there. I mean, there were lots of little ways Virginia could have made this game much more interesting. And and Tech played well and won by six. I, I don't know that you throw the baby out with the bathwater here, but, you know, there were some things. There's certainly some things, even if Virginia had pulled this one out, that you'd say the Tony Bennett would need to work on. One, the defense has has not been living up to the hype of what you'd expect from a Tony Bennett team. And it's really been the case all season. When I say that, it's all relative to Virginia in the KenPalm.com efficiency rankings ranks 26 nationally in defense. It's just Virginia, good Virginia teams tend to rank in the top 10. So 26, which out of 363 teams still put you well within the top 10% nationally. Um, it's still... It's not what Virginia fans are used to. Virginia coaches are used to. Virginia players are used to. Um, and it's making me wonder. I, I pond on this on Saturday after the game. That maybe the small ball lineup is is kind of run its course. We'll see. I don't want. I don't want to be throwing baby out with bathwater here. But uh, Ben Vanderplas uh, uh, is a six eight starting five. Has been the last several games. Um, the last two games, uh, Syracuse game. Uh, the uh, Jesse Edwards uh, had his way a bit. I mean, only 14 points, but five of eight shooting was kicking the ball around uh, to his shooters who just weren't making shots. And that's why Syracuse lost that game. 
Virginia Tech made its shots when Justin Mutz was able to spin it out. He had 17 points on 7-11 shooting when he didn't spin it out, and then he had eight assists when he did. And um, the fact that Virginia's got to double the post, a good post, when uh, the ball gets in there and Vanderplas is is you know, undersized. It's, and it's weird to say 6-8 is undersized, but in basketball that's the case. Um, that's what, that's what gets the ball moving around the perimeter. And when teams can, teams can get shots, they can knock them down. That can be a problem. When I did some math on this, um, uh, let's see, I'm in the wrong column here. I want to make sure to get the column uh, because I'm using some of my notes here. Uh, just my notes from, uh, from the stories on the website. Uh, I did the math and let's see if I can, yeah, I'm pulling it up right here. Um, Let's see the five observations column is what I was willing to look for there. Um, Virginia Tech scored 74 points on 63 possessions. It was still a Virginia paced game. Um, four of Virginia's last five opponents have uh, scored over a point per possession. And um, that dates back to Virginia's win over Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago in Charlottesville. Over that span of five games, uh, Virginia, Virginia is allowing 1.031 points per possession. This is a team that on, on the season – uh, in the ACC, at least, is averaging point uh, allowing point nine eight eight. So that's that's you know that's up a little bit, five points per hundred possessions in a, in the sixty possession game. Uh, that you know that's what typically Virginia plays. Uh, that's an extra three points per game that Virginia is allowing uh, in this with this Vanderblas small ball lineup. Um, Caden Shedrick did not play uh, in in this game, uh, and he's not playing a lot lately. Uh, when I look back at the numbers, there I'm gonna I'm gonna be flipping back and forth here. Um, Shedrick was a healthy scratch. Tony Bennett confirmed that after the game with reporters. Uh, he started the first 14 games, and, and you know, I want to write more in depth about this today, too. This is another one I'm writing more today. Um, but three and a half weeks ago, I, I, I had written a column about how he was uh, getting the unfair shake from ACC officials, in my opinion, um, and how um, Tony Bennett needed to go to bat for him a little bit more. At that time, when I, I pulled from that column, Shedrick was leading the ACC in box plus minus, which is basically a reflection of the how your team performs when you're on the floor overall, not just your your points and your rebounds and your counting numbers, but how your team performs when you're on the floor. He led the ACC in box plus minus. He was the best player in the ACC uh, relative to how his team performs when he's in the game. He also led the ACC in defensive box plus minus, which is not a surprise. That's where his his advantage would be most pronounced. Also led the ACC in defensive rating, and he ranked second at that time in block percentage and fourth in player efficiency rating. Now, he's fallen out of all of those because of late, he's not getting minutes. Um, he's all, he's played just 38 minutes in Virginia's last six games, and again, he was a healthy scratch against Virginia Tech. Uh, in this stretch, Virginia is – at the start of this stretch, Virginia was playing better offense uh, with Vanderplas in there to, at the five. Uh, but now they're not – playing better offense, and I'll get to that point here. Let's see. So Vanderplas had zero points in the uh, loss at Virginia Tech. 0-4 shooting, 0-3 from three. Um, he played 29 minutes and did not score. Um, and over his past four games now, he's averaging 4.3 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2.8 assists a game, shooting 31.8% from the floor. Um, he's, not, he's not doing what he had been doing offensively. Uh, and defensively, well, excuse me. So I wanted to, to defensively, Virginia is not playing as well. But the first five times out with Vanderplas as the lead guy at the five spot, Virginia was averaging 1.217 points per possession. That's a number that, if it was a season long number, would lead the NCAA. 
So for the first five games that he was in this position at, at the starting five and getting the minutes of a starting five, Virginia was one of the best teams in the country offensively uh, from an efficiency standpoint. But uh, last week, uh, the, the win over Syracuse, the loss to Virginia Tech, Virginia averaged just 1.063 points per possession. That's a lot lower. Uh, that would rank somewhere in the 80s, 90s or so uh, nationally. Um, that's that's not an NCAA tournament profile for, for a Virginia team. Uh, Three-point shooting of late uh, in, in uh, the, the past six games going into Saturday, Virginia was shooting 41.4%. That's a reflection of how the offense had more openings because Vanderplas can stretch the floor. Virginia was 6 of 18, 33.3% uh, in the loss at Virginia Tech. And um, what was done well – by Virginia Tech and teams, you know, coaches and and, and thus teams will copy uh, what other teams do well and have success with until you can prove that you you can adjust to that. But what they did well was they they basically packed the lane. It was almost like they threw the pack line defense back at Virginia. They clogged the lane. Uh, Virginia still got twenty seven field goal attempts at the rim, layups or dunks, but only made fifteen of them. It's fifty five point five percent, fifty five point six percent actually. Uh, and um, and if you're if you're not making the shots you need to make at the rim, and you're taking a lot at the rim, and then you're not making your threes, it's going to be harder to win the game, especially when you're not playing as good at, on the defensive end. Um, also, you know, in, in another reflection of how that's the case, Virginia averages. Virginia's second in the country. This is an impressive number. Virginia ranks second in the country, um, according to KenPom.com, uh, in terms of the percentage of made field goals that are assisted. On the season, it's 67.5%. Uh, Virginia on Saturday, just 14 assists on 25 made field goals, 56%. Um, more Too much one-on-one -on -one ball because the shooters weren't making shots um, and because, because the ball wasn't flowing because Tech was packing things in and, and making Virginia, uh, you know, be a little be, have to work a little harder for their shots. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm suggesting that, Perhaps, you know, an adjustment may be in order and, 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 you know, uh, we will see. Uh, Tony Bennett is placed things very close to his, his, his best as they like, as, as that saying goes, um, all he'll be is willing, all he's willing to concede is oh, guys need to be ready and we'll see. And, you know, matchups determine things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Virginia, I'm going to do a deeper dive again. We'll see how that works in terms of what we find out um, lineup versus lineup, but um, it looks like to me Virginia is probably going to make some some more adjustments. I don't I don't I'm not suggesting put Vanderplas on the bench uh, and not play him like Shedrick hasn't been playing lately. I would just suggest maybe Vanderplas could be shifting back to his six man role. Uh, he, he and um, uh, uh, Isaac McNeely, the freshman guard, could be shifting back. Well, McNeely is already in a, in a six man role, so to speak, as as the first guard off the bench, but. Uh, or, or the, at the least, Caden uh, uh, Shedrick gets gets what Vanderplas had been getting in terms of minutes, uh, along with Ryan Dunn, uh, and that could be uh, sort of your eight man rotation. Anyway, there some change seems to be in order, um, and and we'll we'll look more at that. Um, spe let's see. Speaking of McNeely, parking brake is still on. <laughs> Something I wrote about on Saturday post game. Uh, that statement alludes to something Tony Bennett had said before the first win over Syracuse at home back uh, January 7th. So that's right about a month ago. Uh, uh, before that one, Tony said he told uh, uh, McNeely, uh, the freshman shooter, he's brought in to be a sharpshooter, uh, that he needed to take the parking break off and, and be more involved in the offense, uh, shooting the ball-wise. 
And um, that game, he had 12 points. The Syracuse game, the 73-66 win, McNeely had 12 points, 4-7 from three. You think, hey, he took the broken break off. Uh, I did some accounting here. Uh, he had, so on Saturday, three of four from the floor, eight points, two of two from three. Those are efficient numbers. But um, uh, since the parking break got taken off, uh, McNeil is averaging 8.8 points a game, 54.5% shooting from the floor, 58.1% from three, but he's averaging 5.5 attempts per game. Before he was advised to take the parking break off, McNeil was averaging 5.1 shot attempts per game. The parking break is pretty much still on. <laughs> he's just making a higher percentage of his shots. So uh, Virginia is going to be better if McNeil is shooting more uh, because the, the penetration by the guards, uh, Beekman and Clark, getting out to the open shooters. They, they, they need to get the ball to the open shooters and the open shooters, they need to shoot the shots. Uh, and McNeely is still a little reluctant to do so. He's, he's a freshman playing with a bunch of experienced guys and, you know, he needs to, but he needs to forget that, take the scab off. He's, he's not a freshman anymore. It's February in your first season. It's, you're not a freshman anymore. Uh, good, good uh, trend for Jaden Gardner. Um, even in the loss, 20 points, 10 rebounds. And, um, I had been writing. Uh, this is this is what I do. I, I write about things and give my thoughts. And you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. Uh, I had been writing you know, as of three games ago that uh, the the emergence of Ryan Dunn, previously aforementioned there, uh, the six eight freshman uh, was that Dunn seemed like he was ready to take the starting four position, uh, and uh, he had been getting more minutes than Gardner over a three game stretch prior to me writing about that. Uh, Gardner. It may be coincidence. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, not that I wrote about it. Just that he felt the heat from Ryan Dunn and how well he was playing. And Gardner's last three has really stepped up. He's playing like the guy that was the leading scorer and rebounder on last year's Virginia team. He had twenty and ten again in the in the loss at Virginia Tech. In his last three, he's averaging seventeen point seven points, eight point zero rebounds. He's shooting fifty nine point five percent from the floor. Um, and and because he's he's emerged in that way, uh, reemerged in that way. Ryan Dunn in his last three has logged a total of just 34 minutes. He'd been averaging 23.3 minutes a game before that stretch, the last stretch of three games, now averaging 11.3 minutes per game his last three games. So, um, you know, it's one of those ebbs and flows in, a, in the course of a season, but uh, it's it's a good one for Virginia in this respect. Jaden Gardner has been very productive, especially when we've not seen Ben Vanderplas be as productive. And, and Armand Franklin struggled on Saturday, six points on two of nine shooting in the loss. Uh, Jaden Gardner stepping up, so kind of want to see these guys all play, you know, reasonably well at the same time. It's, that's That's been one issue, and it's an issue for a lot of teams, consistency in that respect. But Jaden Gardner has been very productive of late, so that, that's definitely a good thing for Virginia basketball. Um, I want to talk real quick some Virginia football news, and we'll talk some more tomorrow about this too. Um, Nick Jackson, middle linebacker, three-time all-ACC selection, second team the last couple of years, third team two, year, uh, two years ago, three years ago. Um, he had entered the transfer portal on December 11th, but had not committed anywhere else. In fact, then enrolled for the spring semester at Virginia that gave Virginia fans and even coach Tony Elliott, a thought that, Hey, maybe the kid is going to stay. We got the incumbency advantage. The fact that he's at least enrolled, he can't go play. He can't, he can't practice with someone else in the spring. So that's going to make him less valuable if he goes somewhere else. So maybe that's a good sign for Virginia. And it didn't turn out that way on Sunday, yesterday, as I'm recording this, uh, Nick Jackson announcing on Twitter that he is he's, his days in Virginia, his days in Charlottesville are done. Uh, he had visited Iowa over the weekend. Still no commitment as of me recording this anywhere. He's also visited Auburn and, and who we, you know, we'll figure out where he might land. At this point, 
because he can't practice in the spring with anybody, there's no rush for him to make a commitment except for uh, if, if a, a, a desired program, his desired program, uh, may put pressure on him just to commit in terms of uh, their roster numbers and, and scholarship numbers. But um, Jackson, yeah, he's he's made it clear he's not coming back to Virginia. So this is huge bad news for Virginia football. Um, he led Virginia in tackles last year, as he has the last couple of years, 104 tackles last year, 626 snaps, lead, both leading the linebackers, both le- uh, the, the tackles number leading the unit. Um, he also uh, had four quarter, quarterback hurries, five sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss, four pass breakups, very versatile guy. You know, he help you in pass coverage as well from the middle linebacker spot. His 73.5 pro football focus grade uh, was a third among um, Virginia guys who logged enough snaps to really matter. Um, and, uh, so this is, and, and the thing is, Tony Elliott had addressed this last week at his, uh, the, that odd press conference that was held on signing day when Virginia, in fact, didn't actually add any prep recruits on signing day last week, sticking with the 19 that had signed uh, back in December, not for lack of effort. <laughs> it was actually effort to try to add some guys, just couldn't get anybody to sign. Um, but uh, Elliot had addressed it, saying, "Hey, at the time when, when you know before before Jackson had made his his feelings known and his official position known, you know, uh, he, Elliot noted that he'd been named a team captain again this year by his teammates. It's not going to work out so well." Um, and um, then talked about though, if Jackson were to leave, how Elliot was trying to put a positive spin on how he felt about the linebacker unit. Um, without Jackson, if that was going to be the case. He's, he said he felt good about the return of Josh Ahern, who will be a fifth-year senior next year. Ahern himself had thought of, had not put himself in the portal, but had made it clear behind the scenes that he was thinking about the portal and then decided to stay. Um, Ahern is no Jackson, though. He had 240 snaps last year, 24 tackles. Um, so, what, that's one tackle every 10 snaps. Jackson averaged one tackle roughly every six, six snaps. Um, and Ahern, uh, in four years of Virginia, his his highest pro football focus grade was the grade he got last year, just 56.1, middling uh, numbers there. Um, other than that, then, I mean, after his 240 snaps of the linebacker position, you've got Hunter Stewart, who played 79 snaps last year. you got Stevie Bracey, 28 snaps last year. Trey McDonald, six snaps last year. Uh, and, uh, and, and that said, Elliot was trying to, to sell that last week because I've got confidence in the depth in that room. That's you know he's 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 selling you something there, um, and you know you want to want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I I, I usually don't. So <laughs> as far as that goes, uh, tomorrow we'll uh, do another podcast. We'll talk about uh, the the preview uh, that I'll write tonight uh, on the NC State game. I'll also actually I'll throw in some Virginia Tech too. They play Wednesday night with Boston College. Uh, Tech lost at Boston College up in Chestnut Hill back in December. And um, can't afford a hiccup in this one. Uh, you've got to build on that one with Virginia. So we'll talk about the Tech game, too, uh, coming up on Wednesday. I'll also talk more about a column I wrote today. Um, and I would advise you, um, ask you, please beg you to know, uh, to read the, read the column. The title is, Carla Williams wanted a teardown. She and Tony Elliott need to be made to own, need to be made to own it. It's on the website right now, AugustaFoodPress.com. I'll talk more in depth about that tomorrow. Uh, and um, kind of break down where things are from the standpoint of uh, lots of things within Virginia football as as we're getting closer and closer to spring practice for for UVA. So, well, thank you for your time listening and or watching today. If you have any questions for me, any comments, anything else, 
topics you want me to address about UVA football or otherwise, feel free to email me at chris at augustafreepress.com.